Energy once dominated the economy, but renewable sources, environmental concerns, and a surge in supply have made energy stocks into a terrible investment. Over the last decade, energy is the worst performing part of the stock market. There are lots of reasons why, but not all of them make much sense. I'm Alex Yule. Welcome to The Readback. This week, we're joined by Andrew Barry, whose latest Barron's cover story explains why energy stocks are so unloved and how the weak sentiment could actually offer a big opportunity for investors. Hey, Andrew. Good to be here. One of the most fascinating parts of your story was this graphic you had that showed how energy has tumbled as a percentage of the stock market. So it made up nearly 30% of the S&P 500 back in 1980. Today, it's just 5%. So talk us through that. What's happened? Well, two factors are at play. Energy stocks have performed relatively poorly over the last 30 years. And in fact, over the last 10 years, they are the worst performing sector in terms of earnings, capital returns, and other factors. And basically, they've fallen from favor from investors who feel that energy is not the future. And also because of the growth in other sectors of the stock market, particularly technology. And it's interesting that you compare it to tech stocks. So were energy stocks... 30 years ago, the tech of of today, in a sense? I think so. I mean, energy was the leading sector of the stock market, I mean, 30 or 40 years ago. And people thought that energy drove the economy, energy was critical to the economy, and it appeared to be in short supply, and that owning the companies that produced energy was basically uh, one of the best ways you could basically make money in the stock market. Can you give us a sense for how energy stocks trade today in terms of as, as a multiple of their earnings versus technology and, and what it was like maybe 30 years ago? Energy companies trade at relatively low valuations right now. They trade for anywhere from you know, 10 to 15 times earnings in most cases. Technology companies will often trade for double those valuations. And I think if you look back you know, 30 or 40 years, you probably saw higher valuations on energy companies and relatively low valuations on technology companies. I mean, Microsoft was basically a blip on the radar. I mean, Cisco was a tiny company. Facebook, Google, Amazon didn't even exist at that, I mean, 30 years ago. So essentially, these industries have sprung up dramatically over the last you know, 20 years and uh, really eclipsed uh, energy in many kind of old line uh, industries over time. And so coming from that, from 1980, can you point to any specific changes? I mean, I think we all know sort of big picture, but give us a few specifics. The main problem has been on the supply side. There's been a lot of new supply of oil. I mean, there's been a boom in U.S. energy production. It's probably up 30 or 40 percent in the last five or six years. And that's been driven by better technology in terms of development of shale resources, particularly in the Permian Basin of New Mexico and Texas. That's the leading area now where um, oil is being produced now in this country. I mean, U.S. oil production is now about 12 million barrels a day, which is up nicely in the last couple of years. And it's meant that the U.S. now imports much less oil than we did, you know, 10, 20, and 30 years ago. The U.S. is much less dependent on the Persian Gulf now for supply. So if we had to put demand into perspective from 1980 versus today, where are we? I mean, demand is probably up 30% or 40% since 1980. And oil demand, importantly, will probably rise for at least another 20 years. World population is now about $7.3 billion. It's going to over $9 billion by uh, the year 2050. It seems inconceivable that oil demand will fall in the face of about a 30% rise in population over the next you know, 30 or so years. And you hear stats like that, and generally we talk about the size of markets, and often they correlate to how a stock the stock market performs. That's broken here. 
Yeah, I mean, the industry is starting to get religion. That's the good thing. And I think you're seeing better capital discipline, better capital allocation, meaning more emphasis on paying dividends and stock buybacks and not just growing production. Energy companies used to be rewarded for growing production. Now that's not the case anymore. Investors want to see high free cash flow, which means basically cash flow after the payment of uh, capital expenditures. And that's been a very important positive development in the last couple of years. Wall Street and investment investors are imposing tougher terms on the energy industry. And I think that ultimately may play out well and benefit investors. You spent a lot of time in your story looking through the sector and actually finding what seem to be some good opportunities for investors who are interested in this decade disconnect for uh, energy. Give us a sense of what you found and some of the more attractive names in the space. Well, first of all, energy has been the worst performing sector of the S&P 500 in the last 10 years. I mean, the annualized returns are about 4% versus about 14% for the S&P 500. That means that many energy stocks are trading at pretty much the same prices as they were 10 years ago, which is rare to find right now in the stock market. Most uh, stock prices are much higher than they were 10 years ago when the overall stock market was trading about a third of where it is right now. And so that means you can get nice dividend yields on a range of companies. And I would say that the d- dividends on the major energy companies are pretty secure. And you look at Chevron, which is arguably the best run of the major companies, it yields 4% right now. European oil companies, the, the two leaders there are Royal Dutch Petroleum and uh, BP. They yield over 6% right now. I think you can view these as being interesting yield plays and income plays at a time when bonds yield very little. So this is a rare source of high income in a relatively yield-parched stock market now. And the stock market itself is what? In the twos? The stock market yields a little bit less than 2% right now right now in the S&P 500. So you're getting about double and triple the yields on the major oil companies that you are on the S&P 500. And I, I believe that the relative yield of the major oil companies to the overall market, to the S&P 500, is about as high as it's been in the last 40 years. I mean, there may be times when it's been comparable, but I think we are certainly at a high point right now. And generally in investing, another marker that perhaps that can't last forever. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, if the stock merely just stay flat in the next 10 years, you will earn, you know, a four to five or six percent yield, which I think may stack up pretty well with returns on the overall market and with bonds and with other um, alternative investments. I mean, the energy companies are very much committed to maintaining their dividends. It doesn't mean it's a guarantee, but almost all of them take their dividends very seriously. I would point on the oil service area. You have the leader there, which is Schlumberger, which yields about 6% right now. That's historically been the best and the class of the industry. Halliburton, which is the number two player, yields about 4%. So throughout energy right now, you're actually getting pretty decent yields with the highest yields being on the major oil companies. And like you said, for an income star, investor, those are some pretty big numbers. Yeah, those are big numbers. I mean, I I don't think anybody would advise you having all your assets in energy, but um, I think you you can certainly justify, certainly if you're income-oriented, having potentially 10, 20% of your equity allocation to energy, particularly if you want income, because I think these are relatively secure dividends and on, you know, stocks that are relatively depressed too. So you're getting high yields on relatively depressed stocks in an out-of-favor sector. So... I mean, mean, if you get any capital appreciation, you could be talking about double-digit returns on these stocks looking ahead over the next 10 years, which would, I think, stack up very well with the overall market. 
And is the thinking that as these guys perhaps get religion, as you said, about how much to drill and how much to spend, Mm. that supply falls? I mean, supply may not fall, but I think you may see a better balance of oil supply and demand. The markets, I will say, are not optimistic about this. The futures markets suggest that oil prices will be lower in the future than they are now, and they think that natural gas prices, which have been particularly depressed in this country, will not rise much. So the markets are pretty bearish on the outlook for oil and natural gas prices going forward. So in a sense, when you're buying these stocks, you're kind of making a bet against what the consensus is now in the energy markets. And of course, that's generally how you make money in the market. That's how you make money because, I mean, these stocks kind of reflect this pessimism about the outlook for oil and natural gas. And I think it's also the view that ultimately this business will, if not go away, become much less important. But I think that underestimates how much oil demand and natural gas demand there will be that we needed globally over the next 20, 30, 40 years. This industry is not going away, even though many people think with the growth of electric cars that uh, it's essentially an, an industry in more or less permanent decline. Yeah. So let's one thing I think you have to do with a story like this is put aside how you feel about oil's impact on the environment. So let's just let's just put that aside for a minute. So many of the headlines we hear about these days are about electric cars and Tesla, and that's where all the excitement is. How is it possible that that isn't going to make a big impact? Well, I mean, it's a question of the overall impact. I mean, on the electric cars, they're only a couple percent of auto demand right now, and it may grow. It probably will grow over time, but demand for automobiles throughout the world is actually growing. So I think it's just it just can't it can't happen all that quickly i mean essentially the average car is on the road for 15 or 16 years so even if you sold enti- an entirely electric fleet of vehicles in this country it would take 15 or 16 years for the entire us fleet to go electric and that's not happening i think it's more like 2 or 3% of cars right now are electric. And around the world, too, I mean, it's, it's the same story. I mean, China's trying to incent people to uh, buy electric cars, but there seems to be a lot of resistance to buying electric cars. It's basically Tesla's finding the market is, is, is more difficult than they imagined. And so what about the impact of wind and solar and all of this? Well, wind and solar may cut into demand for fossil fuels for the production of electricity, which is already happening in this country. But the bulk of oil demand, about almost 75%, comes in transportation, and that's much more difficult to displace. It's difficult. It's been been shown electric cars are having limited traction and getting limited market share. Airplanes still need... uh, kerosene, which is an oil derivative to fly. Ships need bunker fuel, which is oil. There are really very few substitutes right now and looking forward for oil to basically power transportation needs around the world. And of course, all of that requires batteries too, to some degree, right? I mean, battery technology has greatly uh, expanded and been greatly enhanced over the last, uh, I know, five years, which has enabled Tesla to become what it is. But there's still a long way to go before planes can ever fly with batteries, that ships can be powered by batteries. And so I think that that will mean that oil will have a dominant share of, uh, you know, global energy uh, requirements for the foreseeable future. The world still runs on oil and will run on oil for the next, you know, probably generation or two. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks. To read Andrew's story on the unloved energy sector, check out this week's Barron's and, as always, Barron's.com. I'm Alex Ewell. The Readback is produced by Meta Lutzhoff. 
The show will return next Wednesday. 